How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. Blog Talk Radio. gentlemen welcome to another edition of on the rails radio and um sorry about the uh, little audio mix up at the beginning um i, I uploaded the night stream song because of course tonight's main topic is the best and worst of wcw 1990 to 1999 and i guess i'd set nitro as my default intro and so i played about 30 seconds of that then i cut it off and i went to and it went to my regular intro on its own so uh, thank you, Blog Talk Radio, for making up my mind what I want to hear, <laughs> but it's all good. Um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. It is a nice, chilly, well, not so chilly. It's more like springy uh, Tuesday night. I'm glad everybody that out there that could join us is joining us. Uh, we are going to talk about the best and worst moments of, nit- of Nitro, mainly Nitro, but mostly WCW. Um going to try and do it a little bit different than me and Bobby did it the last time where we went, you know, like year by year. Uh, it, it's pretty much going to bring up a good point, then a bad point. You know, like the formation of the NWO, Paul Roma joining the Four Horsemen. <laughs> and we'll, we'll keep bouncing because it, it seemed to work better when me and Bobby didn't have like a like set direction. We just we just shot the shit and we did it for two hours, which was originally just going to go 90 minutes, but it was so good, kept going. Um, about at about the one hour and a half mark tonight, we will be taking phone calls. Uh, got a special guest for Bobby Blade, um, so everybody will just have to tune in and see when that happens and see how it is. And I just unplugged my microphone like a big dummy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Bobby uh, is laughing at me. Uh, I'm glad I have him on mute if he is. <laughs> um, I'm going to start with my rant of the week, um, which for everybody out there on Facebook, I had a, a huge personal personal situation come up Friday night, and um, 
it it was rather annoying. So I'm going to get into it and tell a little story about it behind here because I've had some people message me and ask what's going on, and some know, some don't. Bobby knows, and a few others do, but I've got – I'm not ashamed of it because it, it wasn't a big deal, but it was just the stupidity of the situation. And some of it was me. Some of it was Bull County where I live. Um I went to work Friday night, which work sucked. It was it was a Friday night in a restaurant, if that tells you anything. And I got home an hour and a half late. Well, while I was still at work, I was supposed to get off at 10, and my grandfather calls me about 9.52. I ignore the call because he knows I won't answer it if I'm at work. And it was 9.52. I was technically supposed to get off in eight minutes, which I didn't. Um, I got off at actually at about 11.30. Well, I decided I went and went to Walmart, bought me a time card, and I went to Taco Bell and got me some dinner. By the way, the uh, new beefy cheddar Frito wraps are amazing, and they're filling, and they're only a dollar. <laughs> but now that I like them, they'll probably get rid of them. Anyway, um, I get home, and I notice that the front light, the, the, the light's on. I go in, and I was like, what's up? He said, well, you better eat quick. The Junction City Police was here looking for you. You know, this is like, you know, appetite was gone. I wasn't hungry. I wasn't eating. Ain't no way in hell. Um, I, I tried to eat, and I just couldn't. And I freaked out and uh, made, I made a couple phone calls to a couple friends I knew, and they figured it out what it was. Back in 2010, I had – I we had just started – I just started wrestling in Georgetown, it was about a month or so after my mom had died. And we, I, sorry, was coming back from Georgetown and inside Bull County. I got pulled over. And I I got a ticket it, or in a, in a court. It was five miles over the speed limit, which I thought was retarded that I got a ticket for $5 or for five, five miles over the speed limit and for a broken taillight. Well, I went to court and they gave me a, you know, we settled the deal, which fault, and I had so much to pay. Well, it slipped my mind. Um, it was $199, come to find out today. Because um, I could find out what it was about. I just couldn't find out how much. So I guesstimated. And I, some real good friends of mine loaned me the money, which uh, won't pay back at a later date, in a week or so. But um, here in... Here's where the wackiness ensues. I I call work. Be like, you guys are going to have to maybe replace me tomorrow. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. I maybe end up in jail for a, a week or week and a half. And of course, that just you know freaked me the hell out. I didn't get no sleep that night. We um, got up in the morning and went to. We, me and my grandfather went to Bull County. We got the money. Um, went to went to the Bull County Sheriff's Office. I go open the door. It's a Saturday morning. Doors locked. No sheriff in sight. I look at my grandpa. I'm like, what is the point of a sheriff's office if you have no sheriffs? <laughs> so we went went to Junction and went to the police station, which I didn't really want to go to, but that was the only one I knew left. Same deal. Doors shut locked, nobody in sight. I again, I, I don't know what to do. I've never been in this situation before. So I I noticed that on there it says you know for emergencies call nine one one, 
for non-emergencies called call this number. So I called that number, and I, talk, I explained to the lady who I was, why I was calling, and she said, and I was just like, well, I like to speak. I was like, can I just? I'd like to speak to a, a, a police officer so I can just go ahead and get this taken care of, pay it or whatever. And she said, honey, I don't even know if we have one on duty today. And I'm just like, I looked at my grandpa after I got off the phone because she was supposed to, she said, eventually found one and uh, said he would have, he would be there shortly. So I get there. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I looked at my grandpa, and I'm like, now would be the perfect place to rob somebody because they wouldn't be a cop that could do anything about it. <laughs> and, and to all you people out there, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, she calls me back and said, honey, he's out on a call right now, uh, but I'm just going to tell you that you know you can't just pay it. They're going to take you to jail if, they, if you want to wait. I'm like, well, I would really avoid going to jail because that's probably going to be an extra $40 to $50 booking fee. That you know, I wouldn't get back. Which the money I'm going to pay, I ain't going to get back anyway. But I don't want to pay any more than I've got to. And she said, "Well, I'll tell you what. You can go to jail and be out in about an hour, and it'd be done with you, done with it. Or you can go in Tuesday because yesterday was MLK Junior Day, and just go and pay it then." And I was just like, to me, it was like. Why not just tell me that in the first place? I mean, I know it's a bracket, but it just amazes me the stupidity or the the unorganization of our police officers and sheriffs. Um, but I got it taken care of this morning, so I ain't, you know don't have to worry about being yanked off the air tonight, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure none of them's listening, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> Because if, even if they were listening, I'd probably be getting a getting a, a visit. But anyway, to everybody there that was worrying, I appreciate the thoughts and the prayers, and it's been taken care of. It was paid this morning at about ten o'clock, and everything's good. All right. Tonight, the best and worst of WCW. We're going to take a short break. I'm going to play you a song, and then I'm going to bring you back. And on the air with me will be Bobby Blade, so just stick tight. Here is Dockin' with Dream Warriors.
All right, that was Dokken with Dream Warriors. Um, when you listen to that song, you hear, you hear a bunch of effects and everything. That's mainly because I lifted the um, the track from the, the actual music video off YouTube, uh, which is where I get all my music that I play during Off the, off the Rails Radio. Uh, I've had a couple requests about just having episodes with nothing but music. I'm not really interested in doing that as much because I like having guests. Uh, especially my next guest. He is one of my more requested guests. Uh, he is now, as of this last Friday, I believe, a four-time Hall of Famer, the MWA Hall of Fame, the Kentucky Wrestling Hall of Fame, the UWF Georgetown Wrestling Hall of Fame, and as of last Friday night, the P a PTW Hall of Fame member, Bobby Blade. How are you doing this evening? Geez, oh, peak Tom Wing, you are long-winded. You're more long-winded than Scott Diamond. Well, that's great and all, but nobody's more long-winded than you, with the exception of maybe Rated X on a promo. But what do you mean? I mean, you know, that wasn't my wasn't my call to have a thirty-minute opening show promo every time. <laughs> yeah, true, very true. Hey, brother, uh, the the, um, the the first match is late getting here. Can you can just go out there and talk for 30 minutes? <laughs> and then I would be like, what do you want me to talk about? Ah, just anything. Okay. Anything. Figure it out. All right. <laughs> and, All right. and then I would proceed uh, to talk for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I, most of the time I was out there with you for them 30 minutes. Yep. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm surprised uh, you didn't take a nap out there when I was talking. Oh, sometimes I wanted to. <laughs> I, I never realized how long your promos were until me and you had, had split off and I and I had turned baby and I was in the back and I'm just like, God dang it, Blake, come on, hurry up. Damn. Hey, you can blame that all on Jared Sloan because he always was late. Was late. Yes, he was. <laughs> um, oh, Lord. Before we get into WCW and everything, how was your Hall of Fame? Oh, it was awesome. It's uh it's always an honor to be uh to be inducted in the Hall of Fames and stuff because it just shows that you know even at an independent level that people do appreciate what you do and what you have done for the uh for the wrestling business and it's a great feeling. I mean, uh when you're sitting there amongst your peers and they're listening to every word that you're saying and then you're listening and then all the fans are sitting there listening to every word that you're saying. It's just a great feeling. And then to be handed a plaque, you know, that tells, you know, that you're in the Hall of Fame, that's something that you can display to everybody that comes over and, you know, everybody that you know and all that stuff. Say, hey, I'm in the Hall of Fame. What have you done? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Who have you been? But, uh, yeah, that was my fourth <laughs> Hall of Fame induction on Friday night for primetime wrestling. And, uh, they, you know, like you said, they were the MWA Hall of Fame, the uh, Kentucky Wrestling Hall of Fame, UWF Georgetown Wrestling Hall of Fame, and then the PTW Hall of Fame. I mm-hmm. couldn't be uh, I couldn't be any more happier than I am right now with it, about it. Put this in perspective, you're in more Hall of Fames than Ric Flair. Yeah, I am. I, I'm I in uh, double the amount of Hall of Fames than Ric Flair's in. Uh, uh, you got one on Flair. He's uh, in the, the WWE Hall of Fame twice, and he's in the NWA Hall of Fame. Even oh though, yeah. Even though when they inducted him, which I thought was a dick move by WWE, WWE wouldn't let him attend the ceremony because he was yeah, still that's crazy. 
But anyway, um, speaking of NWA and Ric Flair, uh, we're going to talk tonight about the, the finer points and the not-so-finer points of WCW from 90 to 99. Um, first, got to tell you, Blade, uh, the last one we did over the WWF for the same time period was very well liked. The ratings on it are very good. Right now, it's sitting at 98 downloads. Really? So, yes. So my, I, I knew when if we did this, it would it would be good, and people would like it. And I wasn't it, I was wrong. Uh, so I'm gonna try to when Andrew Brown saying Hall of Famer, and he <sighs> typed it out a couple times. <laughs> Um, so, you know, do tonight, and then we'll schedule another one either ne- over the next week or so. Um, but before we get into WCW, what is your thoughts on Sting finally being in WWE? Well, you know, I think it's long overdue. It's a great thing. Um, you know, Sting is an icon in the business, and, you know, he's always, you know, the fans have always wanted to see him in the WWE, and they're finally getting that. However, he's close to 60 years old now. So, you know, you're not going to get too much out of him, but, you know, you're going to get just enough to whet your appetite for him. And, but still, I mean, it's still a thing to see, you know, Sting's in the WWE finally. You know, the Mm -hmm. fans have finally gotten what they wanted. And, uh, you know, just, you know, it just goes to, you know, you have to see on how they use him and everything. You know, I know that they've got big plans for him and stuff like that, but, Hopefully they don't bury him or kill him, you know, try to kill him off or anything like mm-hmm. that. No, same here. Um, I think it became apparent last night that they're building to- towards Triple H and Sting, uh, which I know every smart smart out there wants, oh, we want Sting and Undertaker. You don't, you want that match, but you don't want it yet. Uh, and I think what they're going to do is I think Sting and Triple H is going to meet at WrestleMania. Sting will beat him. And then next year, since it was just announced yesterday, that next year's WrestleMania will be from the AT&T Stadium, the biggest stadium in North America. Um, it's going to be in Texas. So I'm thinking that Undertaker and Sting will be there next year, my prediction. And, of course, I think Undertaker will beat Sting because I think that will be Undertaker's last match. Well, I, I think, too, I mean, that's going to be a huge match, you know, marquee value, and that's going to definitely generate some pay-per-view buys or even uh, network subscriptions. But, you know, the thing is, is, is name value is tremendous on that match. But you got to think, you know, Sting mm-hmm. is, you know, almost 60. Uh, Undertaker is close to 50, or he may be already in his 50s. I'm not exactly positive on that. You know, what kind of a match are you going to get out of those guys? Okay. Yeah, because I remember reading in TNA, when he was with TNA, they were saying that he was having hard times remembering spots um, Mm -hmm. and remembering specific sequences or getting them in and out of of order. And uh, Sting right now, yeah, you're right. Sting is almost 60. He's 55 years old right now. Yeah. Yeah, so see, the thing is, if they don't jump the gun on uh, Sting and Undertaker sometime soon, it might be too late. Yeah. I'm hoping and Undertaker not, but... right now is sitting... Uh, Undertaker's 49. Hmm. I thought he was so old. You've, so you've got, what, about 100 and, 114 years between the two of them, or something mm-hmm. like that? 
Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, what kind of what kind of a match are are you going to get? The, the thing is, is you're going to have two legends out there like Sting and the Undertaker, and you know, people are going to be all hyped for it and everything, and ready to see it. And then when it happens, they're going to be like, "Oh, that wasn't so good." Mm-hmm. But the thing is, though, is you know that's what the people wanted. You know, that's what they're eventually mm-hmm. going to get. I think. I think. For me, I mean, I know they're wanting to build Undertaker versus Bray Wyatt, but I think for me, as good as that match has could possibly be, I think the smarter play would be to let Undertaker have this WrestleMania off. That yeah. way, if they do do it at 32, he's had plenty of time to heal and to get back into shape. Which I mean, I know we know he's had been off since WrestleMania last year, but heck, he got knocked the hell out within the first five minutes with Brock Lesnar. Of course, nobody yeah. is surprised with that, but because <laughs> um, Brock is just, oh my God, I, the, the the shots he was throwing Seth Rollins last night that made me cringe. But uh, <laughs> mm, but I think it, that would be the smarter play is to let him have off a year, build Sting up, maybe a, a match at Mania, maybe it won at SummerSlam with the right opponent, and and then let it have Sting off until next WrestleMania. That would be the smart plan if you're wanting to maximize what you could get out of them. Yeah. And plus, too, you know, I mean, if you give Undertaker a year off and wait till WrestleMania 32, you know, he might be healthy. He might not. You're just, you know, kind of taking a, a gamble on that. Yeah. Because I remember uh, he had two back-to-back knockdown dragouts with Triple H, which taxed him pretty bad. I'm, I remember the bruise he had on his back from the hell in the cell. And then he, I remember he had the match with punk and afterwards it was said that, you know, he was in, you know, he didn't have to physically exert himself with punk because it was mainly just a wrestling match. But then of course, then he turned around and screwed that up and got put through a table with, with the shield, which was great for the shield, but ended up knocking undertaker out for real. And it's just, He's got to be careful. <laughs> yeah. I know it's I know it ain't ballet, but man, he's got to be careful. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right, so let's get into the meat and potatoes of of uh our interview this evening. The best well, we're going to stay on topic first... this time. Uh well, we might ta- tangent off, you know. We we had I think <laughs> I think I counted 500 433 tangents maybe last time, <laughs> but they were entertaining tangents. I went back and actually listened to the show. Um, earlier today, getting ready for tonight, and it, it was pretty good. I mean, yeah, we did get off, but we eventually found our way back and didn't get to cover as much as we want to. We probably won't need tonight either, um, but we're going to cover the good stuff, kind of like what we did. But uh, like I said before, and you heard, we're going to do it a little different. Instead of like attacking years, we're just going to attack milestones on both sides of the spectrum, the best and the worst. Because uh, really, the only worst of the WWF that we did was the new gen- the new generation jobbers was really the only bad thing we talked about. Yeah. Um, so, uh, in your opinion, what was the be- out of those ten years? What was the best moment, hands down? Well, I think that there's two uh, best moments actually, and that is when Hogan turned heel and joined the NWO because that was huge. You know, nobody expected that, and it got people talking about WCW for once. Um, 
And then the other huge monumental thing was Hogan versus Sting at Starcade 97. Because that was their biggest pay-per-view of all time. From what I understand, it got the biggest buy rate of, you know, any other WCW pay-per-view. Um, I thought the match delivered. A lot of people didn't. But I thought, you know, we got exactly what we wanted uh, out of it. And, uh, you know, it got the right reaction at the end. And it set them off into a into a new direction. And, you know, I don't think that maybe they, they probably weren't prepared for, actually. Well, see, I, I I agree with you partly on that match. I thought the match delivered, but the ending did not. They should have just had Sting beat Hogan clean. No screw jobs, no none, of, no Bret Hart. It should have just been he. Maybe have tried to have Nash or Hall or whoever uh, come in, Sting bip him off the apron, Hogan miss, cut him off, hit a leg, miss a miss a leg, Sting you know wraps him up, tap out, it's over. I they should have had something more soon than the. The fast count that wasn't a fast count, uh, <laughs> um, and <clears throat> I think it would have been so much better had that. But have you ever read Eric Bischoff's book? I have not. See, he talks about that match, and and Hogan did not want to put over Sting because <laughs> Hogan, See. being Hogan, wanted to keep it going, and I'm and then he said Sting didn't deserve it, and Sting wasn't in shape, and. Sting didn't to, deserve it. <laughs> yeah, because because he wasn't in shape. I guess when he took that year off from actually wrestling, he didn't you know he didn't live in a gym like Hogan did. So I guess Hogan didn't think he deserved it. Uh, and it's just and it was Hogan that made the call on the screwjob referee and everything. But yeah, wasn't I didn't think the fin, the finish could have been just more simpler and less. You know, let's keep it going for next month. Uh, I, I think that uh, the right guy won, though. They they put yes. the right guy over in the oh, end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sting, yeah, there was no way in hell Hogan should have won that match ever. No, <laughs> no. Not at all. And honestly, if Hogan probably would have won that, uh, I would have probably turned the TV off. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because cause I know remember. That... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I think if Hogan would have won, you know, I would have turned the TV off because, you know, if Hogan had pulled a, his uh, power play and, you know, exercises creative control, that would have been the, the death nail right there, I think, for WCW. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. Um, and up until that point, I had I had been going back and forth when the NWO was created. Uh, I remember I was a Hogan fan. You know, I was... 12 years old at the time, and I, I bawled when he turned heel. I cried because I was like, no, no, no. And, of course, you know, like like majority of wrestling fans, they hate, they booed him at first, but all of a sudden it was like, this is cooler than the good guys. Yeah. <laughs> With the exception of Macho Man, who who waited about six or, or eight or nine months before he joined the NWO. Uh, I think he joined in February, and they formed in, yeah, June. Yeah, that's about eight months. And I was like, with the exception of Macho Man, you know, the NWO is cooler than anybody else. So then, you know, of course, I had the NWO shirt and everything. And but um, had they don't don't worry, I had six of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
uh, watching on the network, you can watch the roundtables, and they had the one that was called, you know, the NWO roundtable, and it was originally supposed to be Sting. I guess that was supposed to be the third man. Do you think it would have worked out well had Sting been the third man and not Hogan? Well, I, st- I think it would have still been a shock for Sting to join the NWO, but I think it was an even bigger shock, and it was a good business move on WCW's part to have Hogan do it. Um, because, you know, the simple fact is, you know, Hogan's time had almost run dry because he wasn't cool anymore. You know, people weren't weren't liking him very much anymore, and he was actually getting booed. And then finally, you know, of course, Hogan saw dollar signs, and I'm sure WCW did too, but, you know, for the us fans that were watching it, it was the best thing that could have happened to WCW at that time period because it was so shocking. You didn't understand, you didn't expect it. And, you know, Hogan was a, you know, say your prayers, you know, eat your vitamins, you know, blah, 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 that type of guy for so many years that you didn't expect him to turn heel, you know, and you didn't expect him to join this group of rogues and everything. They were trying to take over a company and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, Hogan was the right guy. Yes. Uh, I remember going back to Bischoff's book. He was talking about getting the NWO started, um, which they had signed Hall and Nash in May. They'd started putting together the general idea of what they wanted to do with the NWO. Of course, it wasn't called the NWO yet. It was just the Outsiders. Um, And he had had approached Hogan once before, and Hogan actually threw him out of his house just for suggesting to turn heel. He said, I think the quote from the book was, until you walk a mile in my red and yellow boots, you'll never understand, brother. And... And then, of course, you know, Nash said it best. You know, Hogan saw that money train leaving, and he said, ah, it's going fast, but I can still catch it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was the right the right guy, the right time, the right circumstances, and it made him a ton of money, I believe. Now, in in your opinion, of course, we, know both, we both know that the NWO was not long after that, about a year or so after that, ballooned so big that it it started to really water itself out, I thought. Yeah. And how many members would you have had of that group as your top off? Well, let's see. The original members were Hogan, Hall, and Nash. And then uh, fourth was the the Giant. Fifth was Mm -hmm. DiBiase. Sixth was uh, X-Pac, which was six. I believe I would have kept it at that number right there. Uh, there was no need to have, like, Scott Norton in there. There was no need to have VK Wall Street in there. Um, you know, guys like that, you know, Virgil or Vincent, you know, whatever they called him. But, mm-hmm. you know, there was no need to have those guys in there at all. And, and you know, there's other guys in there, like Disco Inferno. Why was he in it? I mean, well, granted, he was in the Wolf Pack, but still it was part of the NWO. But, mm-hmm. you know, I I would have kept it about six members, you know, with DiBiase as the manager. I think that would have mm-hmm. been that would have been perfect. You you'd have left Eric Bischoff at the announce table? Well see that's kinda of hard to say because Bischoff was, was phenomenal in his role, I think, with the NWO. Mm-hmm. I think he was great and he was a great mouthpiece for him, 
and he, you know, was even better than DiBiase. But still, I mean, you had no credible authority figure for WCW opposing the NWO. The, you know, I think the closest, the closest they ever had was J.J. Dillon. Yeah. I, I think. At first it was Nick Bockwinkle, then it became J.J. Dillon. Yeah. And Piper but was even the JJ, interim president. Yeah. Yeah. Even with J.J. as the uh, WCW uh, commissioner or whatever he was, he still didn't, I don't know, he didn't do it for me. It still wasn't a credible enough leader, you know, authority figure for WCW opposing Bischoff and the NWO. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I remember I remember when they had Nick Bockwinkle as the commissioner, or whatever that role was called. Yeah. The championship committee or that you never saw. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah. I thought AJ was okay, but like you, he's just like, eh, well, you can't really imagine him fighting the NWO. Now, one yeah. person that you could besides Sting that I was shocked when they actually put him a part of the NWO was Randy Savage. Now, would you have yeah. left Randy to fight the NWO alongside DDP? Because that was somebody else that they was grooming and pushing rather hard. Or would you have had Macho still join the NWO? Well, the thing is, if you didn't put you know Randy Savage in the NWO, you wouldn't have got those incredible DDP-Randy Savage matches. True. Um, especially the one at Great American Bash 97, which was, you know, to me, that's one of the top matches of all time. But you wouldn't have got those matches. But then again, too, you know, you have a point, too, if you left him on the WCW side to fight uh, with DDP against the NWO, that would have been good, too. I, it would have been good either way because uh, he was a great member of the NWO, and it might have been even more fitting if, you know, they kept him on the WCW side of things for a lot longer than what they did, and then eventually put him with the NWO, mm-hmm. you know. But, yeah, cause it was you know, it like worked they, out for they the best, built, I think. Yeah, because they built up for the, that match at Halloween Havoc, and they mm-hmm. built it up with the whole, the, you know, they they pretty much kidnapped Elizabeth. Um, and then she, I, I remember them playing videos of her talking to Randy or whatever, and then she joined the NWO, and... Then they pretty much jobbed out Randy at Halloween Havoc by having Hall Nash and the Giant Whip beat the shit out of him until they pin- Hogan pinned him. Then, of course, I know after that happened, you got up out of your seat and was wanting to throw shit at the TV because that was the debut of Rowdy Piper. Oh, yeah. Now, <laughs> which one do you prefer? WWF Piper? WCW Piper? WWF Piper. Me too. Um, yeah. Piper had his hit was real hit and miss in WCW. I thought uh, his stuff with Hogan was great. I remember when he brought his son, when he brought his little boy to the ring, and he you know he done he said I'm leaving wrestling, blah blah blah. Hogan called him out. And he went to walk his boy to the to the um, the to corner, took and said I'm sorry, took off his jacket, and then turned around and just wailed Hogan. The roof exploded. Oh yeah. But uh, Piper was one of those guys. Uh, he was better in WWF because they let him have you know more mic time. They let him have the Piper's pit, um, mm-hmm. you know. And honestly, and I'm going to say this, you know, this is me, you know, number one Roddy Piper fan ever. Without a mic, there wasn't much to Piper. But mm-hmm. 
you know, you believed his stuff because, I mean, he would go in there and he would talk bad about, he would talk bad about you, your, your mama, your daddy, your aunt, your uncle, and your grandma, and then he'd beat you up. You know, granted, he was mm-hmm. mostly punches and kicks and stuff like that, but to me, I think he is the greatest heel of all time. And nobody will ever tell me any different on that. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think the worst segment that they ever had Piper do, and I don't with WCW, don't know if it was actually set up by Dub, by Bischoff or it was Piper's idea. But do you remember when it was going into '97, uncensored? Uh, they had the at the time they pretty much all but confirmed that Sting was a part of the the real Sting was a part of the NWO, not the Jeff Farmer stunk, but uh, uh and. Piper was putting together Team WCW because it was a three-team fight, WCW, the Four Horsemen, and um, Piper's team. And Piper, they had this like 20-minute segment of Piper trying out all these jobbers to be on his team. Like one was a kickboxer, one was a boxer. I I remember watching that a a few weeks ago and just going, oh my God, will this end? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I do. I do remember that. You know what that segment reminded me of? It reminded me of the audition segment in Ready to Rumble, live action segment of that, because that that was horrible. Yes, it was. <laughs> then and then and then he ended up not going with any of those guys, and I can't remember who. I think he teamed with Luger. And Luger somebody. and the Horseman, wasn't it? I I think I I can't remember. I'd have to look it up, but. Um, I just rem- I just remember that segment standing out as being just like, you see, it was on Center ninety seven. I've I've got my DVD right here. It was Steve McMichael, Jeff Jarrett, and Chris Benoit were, were okay. partners. That was his partners. Yeah, yeah. And if it was originally going to be John Tenta, Leighton Morris, and and Craig Miley, which surprised they did keep John Tenth in there, even though then he was kind of on his way out of WCW. Yeah, and it was six uh, days and six days before the pay-per-view were replaced by Ben McMichael and Jarrett. Yeah. And uh, the other teams were the giant Lex Luger and the Steiner brothers. And then mm-hmm. there was uh, Hollywood Hogan, Macho Man, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash were the other two yep. teams. Yeah. Cause I th- wasn't Rick Steiner supposed to be on that team. He- yeah, Team WCW originally included Rick Steiner, but he was attacked prior to the match by the NWO and wasn't able to compete. Yeah. Uh, I remember that match not being the greatest match in the world, but I just remember the end when Sting come out and just started waylaying people with that. You know, it was like, oh. And it's still <laughs> hard to believe that they waited another March, December, nine months before Sting and Hogan. Of course, yeah. if, that was done, if that was done in today's era – People would be in that match at the next pay per view, not to you know, not build it up anymore. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of reminded me of the build up um, with uh, Taz and Sabu, where they built mm-hmm. it up for like two years, and then finally it happened, and the place, you know, the roof came off the place when when they finally touched. Mhm. Yeah. All right, so we've covered some good. Now we're going to cover a little bad, and I even mentioned it earlier. Paul Roma joining the. Joining you and Nick and 
<laughs> and only in the Four Horsemen. <laughs> I was never in the Four Horsemen. <laughs> all, all seriousness aside, what did you think of the, of that incarnation? Because there was I quite didn't. a few in the nineties. You didn't think yeah, anything. I, I, oh, it was it was bad. Uh, Paul Roma shouldn't never. You know, Paul Roma was good with Jim Powers. You know, mm-hmm. not with anybody else. Paul Roma was well. I take that back. He was good with Paul Orndorff. Mm-hmm. But you, you, it's like I'm one of the the. I think it's the greatest wrestling factions DVD, where Triple H says, you know, Paul Roma, the job guy, mm-hmm. is in the Four Horsemen. <laughs> what? Yeah. You know, and that I think that was everybody's reaction. It, it just it was such a such a bad mismatch. Mm-hmm. I I liked it on the. I didn't like it. I thought it was funny on the Rick Rick Flair and the Four Horsemen DVD that when they interviewed Roma, he was like, "They should." He was kind of like, "They should have been lucky to be teamed with me." You know, I had youth, and I mean, yeah. As far as his physical build and all that, he could look like a horseman, but that's where it stopped. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and the thing was, he wasn't he wasn't bad in the ring. I didn't think, but he wasn't horseman material. No. No. I mean, him and Arn have a, I thought, a pretty decent tag team going on, which I think was after the Horsemen broke up. They teamed for a little bit, and then and then Paul Roma turned heel uh, and got with with Orndorff. But still, like you said, yeah, you know, he wasn't Horseman material. But it seemed like yeah. the four Horsemen had quite a revolving door between ninety and um, ninety nine. Which the the latter part with Benoit and them that wasn't a bad in, those wasn't the bad incarnations. I thought that they were weren't the best like you know Oli with Oli and Tully and all that, but I thought that they were as close as we was possibly going to get. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sid Vicious Horseman material, yay or nay? Uh, you know what? I'm going to say yay, and everybody thinks I'm strange for saying that, but. Uh, the thing is, though, is he looked the part in the suit. Granted, he was bigger than all of them, but you know the thing was, is you don't. They they made a mistake with him and the Horseman by giving him the mic too much for too long. Mm-hmm. You know, it should have stayed with Flair and Arn. You know, but I think that he fit well into it. You know, that's mm-hmm. just my opinion, but I think that he fit well in there. You had the big guy. Uh, you had uh, uh, Barry Windham. I think he was in there at the time, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in there at the time. Uh, and then you had uh, Flair and Arn. Um, I don't know. Let me look. Uh, I don't think so. I think Barry Windham had done become the Widowmaker on WWE. Oh. But I... Four Horsemen? No, I don't want Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. <laughs> Reformation. Uh, I thought it was a good fit, at least. Yeah. Uh, starting out the 90s, it was actually Sting was in the group at the time with Flair, Arn, and Ole. I think that was when uh, Tully had failed a drug test, like, on his last night in the WWE. Yeah, yeah. And I remember that. They had Sting in the Four Horsemen, and uh, he was the number one contender for Flair's title. And uh, the horsemen all had an interview together in the ring, and they said that you're going to give up your title shot. If you don't want to give up your title shot, we're going to make life miserable for you. You're not going to be the four horsemen anymore. And mm-hmm. he didn't give up his title shot, and they kicked him out and beat him up and left him laying. And um, 
Then I believe who'd they replace him with? Um, only Barry Wyndham actually returned. Oh, okay, yeah. About so three I months later. Technically wrong. Yeah. No, technically you I wasn't wrong. Um. Because I remember, I remember the it was actually at a Clash of the Champions when they kicked him out of the Horsemen. Because and and you could tell something was up because they come out and you know Arn and Ole and Flair and these tuxes and here's Sting in some Western attire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, he was like, you know, we you know at Starcade we was going to put your head in the dirt, and I said it's it's not time. Let him go. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, I think that was the uh, that was the Iron Man, the complex Iron Man tournament or whatever they had. Yeah, that was in uh, 1989. Yeah, that was yeah. Because I, I think that was the one where Sting beat Flair at the end, and then Sting got a title shot. Which always made me wonder if that was for a number one contendership, what was Flair doing in it? But that was just me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, well, if he but, won, he was the Iron Man. So. Yeah, yeah. Barry Windham ret- in in May ninety only became the manager. Barry re- returned and the Horsemen on the May fifth NWA Worldwide had Sid Vicious added to it. So I guess yeah, you were right. They were both in it at the same time. Oh, okay. And they yeah, added. I, woman remember, at- I remember the uh, WCW figures, action figures, when they came out with those. The they had the four Horsemen set, and it was Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, uh, Barry Windham, and Sid Vicious. And you could get them in a little four pack. Yeah, I, that's I, I how remember, I remember that one so well. I never had them, but I remember them. I remember oh, seeing they were them. awesome. I uh, loved them. At the end of '90, Oli had left, being Oli, I guess, uh, and woman left with him, I think. And then that was yeah, when, oh. in October '90, was when you almost got killed by Sid in the locker room. Or in, in what are you talking about? I was never a part of any scissor <laughs> fight. I don't remember anything like that at all. How many times did he get stabbed? It was like, wasn't it like 15 times or something like that? I know it was a lot. Yeah, it was a crazy amount of times. It might have even been more than that. But they said that, uh, I do remember them saying in a magazine that they were surprised that he lived through it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't long after that, I think, that they put him with the skyscrapers, didn't they? They brought the skyscrapers yeah. back. Mark Callis then became the undertaker at that point. Who did yes. they put it? They put him back with Danny Spivey again? It was uh, Danny Spivey and Sid Vicious, yes. Yeah, I know that was the original. Then Spivey left because he was unhappy about something. And then it was and then the they brought in Callus, which was actually Mhm. And I actually liked it. I I liked the new skyscrapers, which I hate it when anybody, you know, puts a adds a new mem- member and it's oh, we're the new skyscrapers or the new yeah. blackjack. I'm like why not just call them the freaking skyscrapers and the blackjacks? But yeah, the, the new rockers. <laughs> yes. That ain't so rocking. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and and um, of course, during all this that we're talking about was the greatest angle. In my opinion, this was better than the NWO and Stink's turn all combined, and it was the Black 
scorpions. You know what? I love the black scorpion for, you know, if you go back and you watch it nowadays, it seems really cheesy because mm-hmm. it seems like they had a magician out there doing magic tricks sometimes, like the black scorpion would be over here on the left of the stage, and then there would be a puff of smoke, and then there would be a big box over by the ring, and it was a tiger in it, and, you know, and then somebody would kidnap Medusa, and, you know, crazy, silly stuff like that. But I thought it was great because you had no idea until the very last match that it was going to turn out to be Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. And, and at the time... Um... Rick Flair and Arn Anderson, of course, the feud with the feud with Sting had ended, and they would started feuding with Doom, I believe. Which, for all you people out there, that was uh, but the natural Butch Reed and Ron Simmons, um, the worst kept secret ever. Who was under the masks? Because uh, <laughs> they didn't change. They, they didn't, yes, they didn't change none of their attire. They just put some masks on them and said, "It's Doom. These are new guys." Yeah, right. Do those look like new guys? No, those ain't new guys. But uh, no, they started. Ron Simmons. Yeah, they had actually started to turn Flair and Arn kind of babyface at that time. Yeah, um, and I thought that the whole Black Scorpion angle could have been better if they had changed one thing. If they wouldn't have had the stupid Arnt Ole Anderson behind the curtain doing the voice. Yeah. I thought that the Black Scorpion sounded a little bit too much like the Shockmaster, if you ask me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Except whenever he talked, you didn't hear um, Davy Boy Smith going, oh, he fell through the fucking wall. <laughs> <laughs> and, Fla- and, then, and then Flair going, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh. Uh, I was watching um, some of the – I very rarely watch the live feed to WWE Network. Because mostly I just I go find one I want to watch and I watch it. And I was watching the live feed and um, I was getting ready to watch I think World Rumble 2013, which was the what was getting ready to come on. And they they had that entire promo on there. And surprisingly, they didn't edit it out. You know what Davy Boy said or none of that. They just I think they just kept it all in there for comedic value. And you could hear him playing his day. Oh God, he fell through the fucking wall. <laughs> 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 That's great. The shock master. And then he became Uncle Fred. Yeah. <laughs> Next thing you expect him to go, hoo-hoo. <laughs> I bet, I well, bet the first thing, you, like... you knew that if if he didn't fall through the wall, the gimmick was doomed from the get-go anyway because of the bedazzled Stormtrooper helmet. Yeah. How, how are you supposed to take that guy seriously when he's wearing a stormtrooper helmet with glitter all over it, and and then a fur jacket, a fur vest? <laughs> yeah, because at first when he come out, then of course he's always talking. He's again, it's always in a fucking voice, <laughs> and always talking, and and Fred Ottoman is not doing any of the of the movements that can go with the talking into towards the very end. Then he starts the double point. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> it, it, you're right. He, he could have come out, blaze a fire. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have meant a damn bit of difference in the world. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, too, oh. is how do you think Sting felt during this whole segment? Because he's the one 
that makes the introduction. You know, our our partner is going to shock the world because he's none other than the shock master. And then here comes this 400-pound guy falling through a wall. His stormtrooper helmet falls off. He gets up, puts it back on, and everybody's just sitting there going, oh, God. Now, of course, everybody at home is watching it going, everybody at home's watching it going, I can't believe it just fell. And then Sting has to sit there and, you know, still put, put him off. Over. Is, is this, this is the greatest partner in the world. And, and then not as long after that, they still call him the Shockmaster, even though the Shockmaster is fucking dead in the water. <laughs> and and he, he he comes out and he's not dressed any special. He looks like a like a like a lumberjack essentially, <laughs> and with a hard I, I hat. Remember, yeah, with a hard hat. And I'm just like, Shockmaster. Yeah, why not just call him uh, the uh, the man's man? <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, Stephen Regal. Um, by the way, I know this isn't WCW, but I. I've been watching the Raws, and I'm to the point where they've aired the first, the man's man, Stephen Regal <laughs> vignette. My God, those are horrible. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it because I'm a, I'm a big Regal fan, big Regal fan. I think nobody in the business has any, has any better facial expressions than William Regal. Um, uh, I even love the real man's man stuff. I mean, I know it's not WCW, but still, yeah, it One was more. great, I thought. And most people listening in for the first time that heard us talking about tangents earlier, this is a tangent. Uh, speaking of <laughs> William Regal's facial expressions, the uh, they showed it on the network on one of the quick hits uh, when Jericho, leading up to WrestleMania 17, took took a piss in uh, his tea, and and it has William Regal drinking it. His face, my God! If I'd have been drinking something, I'd have covered a wall with it. <laughs> the, the the best facial expression he ever had was when he finally got the stink face from Rikishi. And he rolls out of the ring and he looks like he's just getting ready to vomit everywhere, and his face looks like it's contorted and stretching. And I, what, wasn't that it? I think Judgment Day two thousand two thousand and one. I, I believe so. Let me see here. I'm over here by my DVD, so I can look it up kind of quick. Because that that was actually the last appearance of Rikishi up until I think December, when he brought back out and uh, Rock gave Vince the stink face, which was another another great facial expression. Was when he put up the thong and Vince's head just kind of went back and then. <laughs> yep, that, yep. It was two thousand one, May twentieth, two thousand one, Judgment Day. Yeah, great, great, great. But back to WCW. Let's go ahead and cover another. On the other side of the decade, another horrible decision, and that was the finger poke. Oh. Can you can you defend that at all? No, I, I'm I'm sure they were looking for ratings um, because wasn't that the same night that Mick Foley won the title on Raw? Yeah. Yes, it was. That okay. was the infamous. Uh, ooh, that's going to put some butts in the seats. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean. You're sitting here, you're telling everybody that your competition is going to have a title switch, and it's going to be this guy who is extremely popular going to win the title. And then you say, but don't change the channel because we're going to have um, a, a title match of our own. It's Kevin Nash versus Hollywood Hogan. Okay, well, we've already seen that, first of all. And then second of all, you give them the finger poke of doom, and then people are just kind of like, Ugh. okay, mm -hmm. he, poked him in, he poked him in the chest. He went down, he covered him, one, two, three, what in the world, you know, what makes them think that I want to watch this over 
an actual wrestling match that was a great match, in my opinion, Mick Foley and The Rock. Yeah. And, um, you know, the thing is, WWE gave it to him that night. WCW didn't. And I think that is pretty much that's where everybody just finally said, okay, heck with WCW, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I was still hey, watching it. I didn't give up on them. I, I watched them all the way through the year 2000s, you know, when it was ultra horrible. But I, I watched, watched them the whole time. I watched I watched all the way up until until they tried to turn Sting heel on Hogan. And that yeah. didn't that didn't work at all. But um cuz at the time, you know, my grand I was living I just started living with my grandparents and they just started letting me watch wrestling again. Because they didn't yeah. let me watch it. So I missed the entire year of 98 on both sides of the WCW and the WWF just because I simply wasn't allowed to watch it. But uh, okay. I, just started watch, I just started watching it again, and I wasn't allowed to watch the WWF first because of the, you know, because of the TV rating and all that stuff. And, uh, and I was watching WCW, and I remember the figure Poke Doom. I remember being like, well, I really wanted to see that, Hogan and that. Yeah. yeah. And... Because, I mean, as, as much as Splinter the NWO, you never actually got to see the two leaders butt heads. You, yeah. you got to see them brawl a little bit, you know, in an in interference, which was 90, interference, which was 95% of the Nitro main events and Thunder main events. They all ended in interference, um, which I think I made that comment to you. I, I sent you a text that said, uh, if if we had a dollar for every main event on Nitro and Thunder that ended in DQ, we could both retire comfortably. And <laughs> and and that's true. Uh, and I I quit watching. I remember the first Raw I watched was tr- Triple H and The Rock inside a steel cage. Mm-hmm. When they was they was shooting Triple H to to the moon. Um. And then I, after that, I, I just I quit watching WCW all together, pretty much altogether. I remember them the Kiss debuting the Demon. <laughs> oh jeez, oh which was gosh. Rich, which had they had kept it as Brian Adams instead of going to Delaborg, it might have been interesting. But because that was somebody I thought that they never used right was was Brian Adams. Yeah, well, I think they they finally got it. You know, when they put him with, uh, um, uh, oh, what's the other guy's Brian, name? Uh, Crush. Brian Clark. Yeah, Brian Clark. Yeah. Yeah, Brian Clark Brian. Yeah. Adam Bomb. They finally, they, yeah, Adam Bomb. They finally put him with him, and I think that team, you know, for big guys like that, uh, I think they worked well together, you know, and they were, they were decently over, and I think something was finally starting to click there. You know, and of course, you know, then they got bought out. But uh, I wanted to go on a different tangent here, too, and this doesn't necessarily involve the 90s, but while I'm thinking about it, before I forget, the remember the Millionaire's Club versus the New Blood? Yeah. Well, I'll tell I you thought what, that was the most, huh? People, since Bobby does bring up a good point, after 99, there's only two years left, so we got 30 minutes before we take calls. Fuck it, we're going to cover that too. So go ahead, Bobby. Okay. Okay, Millionaire's Club versus the New Blood. I think that, and this is just my opinion, you can say whatever you want to and all that stuff, but I think that was booked completely backwards. You know, you had the Millionaire's Club as the baby faces. You had the New Blood as the heels. Well, you're trying to find something new for the organization to catch on and all that stuff. Why would you book the, the, the younger guys 
that are hard workers as the heels. When you got these guys that, you know, they call them a millionaire's club. Everybody knows they have multi-million dollar contracts. They, you know, they, they worked hard in the past, but now they're not working as hard because they know they don't have to. You know, why wouldn't you make them the heels? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that whole that whole angle was booked completely backwards. You know, you're trying to find a new foundation for your company. Why would you not want the fans to want the older guys to step to the side for the newer guys to come up? And, mm-hmm. and that's just my opinion. You know, like I said, that's not, you know, it, it, it's not a popular opinion because everybody's like, well, Sting was in that. You know, he was in the Millionaire's Club. Hogan was in the Millionaire's Club. Goldberg, DDP, you know, so on and so forth. That's fine. But still, you know, they could have been the older guys that didn't want to step out of the way for the newer guys to come up. They, they mm-hmm. could have been the guys that didn't want to relinquish their spots so the newer guys can come up. You know, they could be... They can be uh, condemned by the fans as being, you know, trying to hold the company back and trying to hold it down, you know, so the company didn't move forward. If they booked it like that, I think it would have been more successful, but they didn't. And to me, I don't understand that at all. And they even had guys in the New Blood that should have they kind of should have been in the the Millionaires Club. Yeah, like the Uh, Nasty Boys. uh, Yeah, uh, Jeff Harris won. Yeah, because Je- you know Jeff Jeff has been around forever. Same with Shane Douglas. Yeah, I I, I never understood why they kept them out of of kept them in the new blood because they really wasn't new blood. I mean Shane, you could kind of maybe say he was new blood because up until that point he hadn't been at WCW since '93, and then he got fired <laughs> uh, for being Shane Douglas, pretty much. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, yeah, he was part of uh, Dos Ombres with uh, Ricky Steamboat. Well, actually, he in that match he wasn't. Shane Douglas wasn't in that match at all. Didn't know that, did you? I did not. No, that's the reason why they did that was because they had fired. Where they taped you know, like two months of TV at a time. In between mm-hmm. the two months of TV and Slamboree, they fired Shane. So. They had somebody else. I can't remember who. I could probably look it up real quick. But they had somebody else under the mask taking Shane's spot. But, of course, being WCW, I don't know how that got out of it and got the belts back on the Hollywood Blondes. Mm -hmm. But give me a minute, and I can can look it up. Uh, Speaking of tag teams, what was your opinion of some of the best tag teams they've had from 90 to 2001? Some of the best tag teams I had, obviously, the Road Warriors. Um, mm-hmm. I liked the uh, Faces of Fear. I thought they were a, a great tag team, you know, uh, Ming and the Barbarian. And, you know, I never really thought much of Haku. I, know, I mean, I know he's the, the, you know, the toughest man that's ever lived. You know, apparently he's tougher than Chuck Norris from, you know, some of the stories I hear. But um, in the Barbarian, you know, I never really thought much about. But you put those two together, and they were magic. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, they were the faces of fear. They, you know, they had you believing in them that they were these ultra dangerous guys and all that stuff. I just wish they would have gotten 
a bigger uh, push than what they did. You know, it seemed like that, you know, they would always use them for enhancement talent, you know, but the thing was, though, I thought that they always had entertaining matches. Um, you know, they all, they always delivered, you know, in WCW. Um, another team, you know, you, you got to mention the Steiner brothers. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, Steiner brothers is one of the greatest teams of all time. And where I'm, I've been watching everything in order. I'm I'm getting ready for, as far as WCW. I'm getting ready for the infamous Halloween Havoc '98, and and of course it's leading. It they've had a um, couple matches. I did not like the Rick Steiner versus Scott Steiner feud. No, I didn't so either. Far. I thought it was pointless and it was stupid. Mm-hmm. It they they it was another cl- example of WCW having pretty much a printing press of money right in front of them with those two long legit brothers. And they pissed it away with twenty five screw job finishes. The worst yeah. thing, the one at Fall Brawl where Buff Bagwell quote unquote re injured his neck. I hated that. I did too. And they, they they put him on the stretcher and they stretchered him out to the ambulance and then he jumps out and you know, starts beating somebody up, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was uh, Rick Steiner, wasn't it? What do you mean? It was it was Rick Steiner that he beat up, wasn't it? Yeah. After he came out of the ambulance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because they had they convinced Rick that he he had re injured his neck again and Yeah. Uh, uh going back to the Hollywood Blondes, it was Tom Zink that took uh Shane Douglas's spot in that ma- in that match at Slambury. Uh, you know what? Tom Zink is another guy that I thought was pretty good, you know. I, I liked him better as the Z Man than I did as part of the Can Am connection. Yes. And I thought he was a, you know, he was he was always had good matches, and uh, you know he had the look and all that stuff. But you know I, I've heard that uh, I've never met the guy, but I've heard he's not so not so friendly. Mm-mm. I've I've heard that, but I don't even I don't even know if he still works. No, no he he's retired. He he left the business in '96. Yep. But. Yeah, I, rem- I remember the only match I remember from the Can-Am Connection was the the WrestleMania three opening match, which was actually for for a six minute match it was actually pretty good. Yeah, against Orton and Morocco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now let me ask you a question, if you don't mind. Go ahead. In your in your opinion, who is the most underrated WCW talent ever? Like that didn't get the push deserved. Yeah. Benoit. Benoit? It would be Ben Jericho. They should they, uh, they, they just rocket ship to Jericho's back in 98. I, I'm thinking somebody totally different, and you may agree with me on this, but you may disagree with me on this as well. Um, Brad Armstrong. Yeah, I, I, can agree, I can agree with you on that. Brad Armstrong was a phenomenal talent. And I think at times, you know, he could have been the best worker in WCW. You know, especially when Flair wasn't around, Brad Armstrong constantly delivered. He always had good matches, always had entertaining matches. Uh, he could actually, he could talk well on the mic, uh, cut good promos and stuff like that. Everything he did was believable. Um, Brad Armstrong was a guy that I always thought was super talented, but he never got the push in WCW. He did in the... Uh, 
in the territories and stuff like that, and you know, and and uh, like Smoky Mountain and all that, he got you know pretty good pushes and all that. But every time it seemed like he would start to get a push in WCW, they would just kill it right, you know, immediately. I, and I never never understood that because he's phenomenal. Push I ever remember him having was one. I think he was working. He'd won the uh, WCW Light Heavyweight Championship from Flamingo, who became Raven, and uh, as Bad Street. Yeah, yeah. With the with the Freebirds. Yeah, and then also as Buzzkill. Mm-hmm. Buzzkill was terrible though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he he didn't. He they didn't need to have him as Buzzkill. They needed to have him as Brad Armstrong and, and push him. They never did. Mm-hmm. No, nope. and unfortunately, um, he passed away back in 2012 of a heart attack. Yeah, and he's still fairly young. Yeah, uh, 51. 51. Yeah, um, yeah, that's young. Okay, in from 90 to 2001. We'll, we'll do it. We'll, we'll flip a coin here on one side of the coin. The best pay-per-view from top to bottom from 90 to 91 that you can, or from 2000, I'm sorry, that you could recall. All right. I'm scanning over my DVDs real quick here. <laughs> uh, well, Starcade 97 has got to be there, be up there. Um, Great American Bash 97 has got to be up there. Um Definitely not Halloween Havoc '98 because that had, had that awful Hogan versus Warrior match yeah. where they went to throw the fire and the, the paper wouldn't light and you know all that stuff. So it just completely just ruined the match. Um, you know I, I'm gonna have to go with uh, Spring Stampede '94. Uh, I'm, I'm actually I'm over here looking at my DVDs and I'm, I'm I can agree with that. Yeah, it had an awesome Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat match, um, which was the last time that they ever faced each other, and it was you know what they built it up for, and it was kind of just out of nowhere because you're like, okay, well, why is Flair wrestling Steamboat again for no reason? But then they had the match, and it was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, Bash at the Beach '96 has got to be up there just because of the Hogan turn. Yeah, you know. Yep, and, definitely and not Pete, Great American Bash '91, though. <laughs> uh, that that was actually a beach blast, wasn't it? Uh, no, well, no, Great American Bash '91. That was uh, that, that was uh, when Flair didn't show up. Yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, Wyndham and Luger, Luger and Wyndham. Actually, watching that match back, the match itself wasn't a bad match. No, no, because uh, they they did something that. That is very, very rarely done and done well, and that was they did a double turn at the end of the match. Um, you, there's only two good examples of a double turn that I've ever seen, and that was Bret and Austin at thir- Mania 13 and Luger and Wyndham at um, Bash 91. And Luger's in Luger's first run when he turned heel there up until Fall oh. Two, but you could all which it sucked for the finish of that program of his heel turn because you knew he was leaving to go to the, yeah. you go to the world bodybuilding federation. And uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, 
I liked it, the, his heel turn, his heel, his heel run, uh, his deal with Ron Simmons. Even though I think Simmons should have beat him at Halloween Havoc, uh, was good. I, I, I remember them having the press conference and Luger saying, "Yeah, maybe after this match, I could hire him on. And I need somebody that'll wash my car or something like that." It was a borderline well, you, racist remark. <laughs> well, you, you know, I really like the dynamic of Luger and Harley Race together. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and to throw in there too, you know, uh, you have Mister Hughes as the bodyguard. Well, you know, why does Lex Luger need a bodyguard? Well, that's perfect, you know, for a heel. Mm-hmm. You got this guy that you know is is super ripped and super cut and you know big muscular guy with a bodyguard, you know. And uh, then you got Harley Race, who's you know a genius, you know, in, in wrestling, considered you know one of the best of all time. And he got him as the manager. And, you know, the mouthpiece and everything, I thought it was a very believable trio. Yes, it was. It's like, today, and I hate to be talking about today's product again, but on on the website that that I go to that I, I, and I read the chat rooms, like, like I said last time, and it's people talking about, oh, Seth Rollins, why have they turned him into this guy that, that he runs from everybody. Hunter has to hand him everything. He has to have five people watching his back. And I'm just sitting there thinking, uh, because he's a heel? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, See, I, and, I like Seth Rollins. I think Seth Rollins is a great talent, and, you know, and I think that uh, he does a great job. And that's exactly what you want you know, from a, a guy that's not so big, you know, you want to, and the thing is, is that's what made the honky tonk man so good as a heel. You know, he always took the cheap way out. If he couldn't get the job done, he took a hike, got counted out. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know that's kind of what they're doing. You know, kind of what they're doing with uh, uh, Seth Rollins now, but not so much as flagrantly getting counted out and DQ'd and stuff like that. I think it's working. Yeah, it's um, Jericho. I've got Jericho's two books. Uh, the best in the world at why I have no idea. And um, he's talking, he was talking about his, the angle in 2009 that he had with Rey Mysterio, which was a great angle, by the way. And uh, he was talking about, you know, the, pretty much the entire angle was predicated off the fact that he wanted Rey's mask. And he, he said that Vince wouldn't understand why he would go after the mask. And Jericho said it perfectly because I'm a bully and I want it. No other reason than that, and yep. that and that's a heel. I mean, don't have sure you've got all these skills, but a heel should be like, if I have to use those, I'll do it to win. But if I can do it this way that's easier for me, that's the way I'm going to do it. Yeah, it, it should be like, you know, well, I know I'm a great technical wrestler and everything, but I'm going to poke you in the eye. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that's an ideal heel from for me. Because that's where I used to flex when I was working for him. Was because I, I he wanted me to be this big monster heel, and that never left my feet. And of course, you know, kind of like I'm not saying I'm a giant, but I'm a bigger guy. And to me, I just find that found that so boring. <laughs> and and you know, and I was just like, let me be big when I when I'm with in there with somebody smaller than me. But if I'm in there with you or Jack Black, I want to turn into a chicken shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but anyway, ladies and gentlemen, there was another tangent. Um, <laughs> courtesy oh, of, we're still on the air? 
<laughs> of, yeah, of Tom Wayne and the lone wolf Bobby Blake. We got a, we got about five more minutes to our break. Um, now let's talk about a couple of the worst pay-per-views ever that WCW had from 90 to 2001. Mine, mine would be Great American Bash 91. Great American is your worst? Oh, yeah. I've, I've got a couple bad ones, uh, and they're both the same event just a year apart. Uncensored 95. I was just looking at 96. that. Oh. <laughs> the concept Uncensored 95 had that awful uh, blacktop bully match. Yes. In the back of a truck or something. Yep, and that match got two people, three people fired. Um, <laughs> it got Dustin Rhodes, Barry Darso, who was the blacktop bully, and Mike Graham all fired. What was... Be- it- what was going through their head when they said, you know what would be good? To have these guys fight in the back of a semi while it's in motion. Mm-hmm. I, I was listening to uh, Dustin Rhodes, Dustin and Cody Rhodes on Talk is Jericho, and they was ta- he talked actually about that match. He said, I didn't want to do it. I just wanted to have it. Well, I was like, why can't we just have a regular match? And he said, and, and the, the layout that they had for it, no juicing, which was – not allowed at the time. He said that was we pretty much decided to do it, but we just wasn't smart enough to to hide it, to not make it look like it just accidentally happened. And um he said that was the only way we thought we could save that match and of course it ended up getting us fired, which I can't say it for Barry, but for me it was the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> because 'cause had had Dustin not gotten fired, we probably would have never seen gold dust. Or we would have seen true. gold dust. Or we would have seen Gold Dust just not on somebody that was probably capable enough to do it like Dustin did. And of course, Uncensored '96 was Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage beating up 500 people in a in a, in a shitty cage match. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Don't get me started on that one. <laughs> you pretty you pretty much killed off your entire heel roster in one match. Yeah. <laughs> and then some of them like the Ultimate Solution, which. I'm sitting there thinking, uh, what were they thinking when they named a guy the ultimate solution, which was Hitler's term for the Holocaust? <laughs> and, and, and then they and then they brought back Zeus, but they couldn't have had a more creative gimmick for him, they, so they just called him Z-Gangsta. Z-Gangsta. I'm like, R- really? I mean, he's got a Z on his head, and he used to be Zeus. So, I mean, you know, that's that's the best they could come up with, Z-Gangsta. Uh, first name Z, last name Gangsta? <laughs> yeah. See here, Uncensored 96, which finding a cover for that pay-per-view was hard as hell, by the way. Um, yeah, because it, it was Hulk Hogan. It was a Doomsday Cage match, which newer WCW fan, fans that remember the, the the movie Ready to Rumble, the 25 maybe people that seen the movie. Um, I was one of them. Me too. Uh, I didn't go to theaters well, to see it. I don't even know if it made theaters, but I know I rented it. Yeah, I saw it in the theater. <laughs> um, I saw it in the theater, and I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And uh, it was Hogan and Savage versus Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Kevin Sullivan, Lex Luger, Ming, Barbarian, Z Gangsta, the, and The Ultimate Solution. But wasn't the Yeti or whatever his name was, wasn't he in that match too? No, he ended up. Uh, he came out at I want to say Halloween Havoc '95. Yeah, he, he came out of the big plastic ice block. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and then him and Giant proceeded to um, 
pretty much molest uh, <laughs> Hulk Hogan right in the middle of the ring. <laughs> Power hug. <laughs> yeah. They talk about, you know, the Attitude Era was too too much for you. What about that? What about what? the double hopping? Boy, that was, dri- that was driving them ratings right there. You know it. Yeah, it was. Well, the thing is, is you know, as, as bad as the Yeti was, I still watched it. Yeah. I watched it off of the copy that I burned from you, and I was just like, oh, my God. First, you got the giant getting knocked off the building, and he's still alive. <laughs> oh, but he fell into a river. But he ain't wet. And he wet. comes out, and he, he, he's not wet. <laughs> but here's the thing about the Yeti. The Yeti starts off as a mummy, so he's dead. He's been dead for thousands of years, and he's wrapped up in bandages. And then all of a sudden, he's a ninja a few months later. You remember that? Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm like, really? So he's a dead I, ninja? Well, you're never going to beat him. I was watching uh, the the timeline history of 95 with Kevin Nash, and he was mm-hmm. talking about, the, the even though it was WWF, they was talking about... Uh, the Dungeon of Doom, which is pretty much what this was, and with with the, with a couple horsemen, and he was like, "Yeah, um, yeah." I mean, it's a great thing that they they hired us because it was pretty much. It. He said, "Imagine the cartoony WWF without Vince McMahon." And he said, "You've got the Dungeon of Doom because it was essentially all of his characters that Hogan beat that he created for Hogan to beat." Now imagine if you just try to put them in a big pot and that, and put them in a stew, and then put in for some reason Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, who they should have never even been on a team with, <laughs> and Lex Luger and Kevin Sullivan. And he said, he said that's what you get. You get pretty much got Haku, Zeus, and some guy named the Ultimate Solution, who was actually in a movie, actually a major release movie. Can you remember which one? It was uh, Batman, one of the Batman movies. Batman and Robin. He was Bane. And he was—he also used to wrestle in world class as well. Yep. Pat Swinson. Mm-hmm. I think he passed away. Yeah, he did. But I think it was like natural, like heart attack, natural causes. Yeah, well, that guy was big too. I mean, he was yeah. thick. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, like, he was like—he was like a building or something like that. He was huge. Yeah, he passed away August eighteenth, nineteen ninety-seven. He was also in uh, No Holds Barred too. Yeah, he was in um, in well, the little Lug dive Ridge. bar thing. Yeah, he was Lugrinch Perkins. Yeah, the battle of the tough guys. Yeah, he died the of battle he died of, of the tough guys. Died of heart failure. <laughs> battle of the tough guys was the greatest name for a, for a TV show ever. Yes, should it should have been should have been. Something the WWF should have capitalized on. Uh, they did. They <laughs> they capitalized on when they did the brawl for all. Yeah. Oh God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Jeep Swanson's Swanson's funeral. Hulk Hogan, Davy Boy Smith, and James Caan gave eulogies at his funeral. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. His finish was the short arm lariat and the left hand. Knock out hook. Because <laughs> that's all I could do. Probably. <laughs> oh, gotta love it. All right. Well, Bobby, I guess we're going to take our break, and then when we come back on the air, we're going to start taking calls. Uh, I got one. One guest you kind of know about. 
two guests you kind of know about and possibly a third that you don't know about. Oh God. I'm we're a little scared now. We're going to surprise you a little bit if they got my if they got my message. Uh if not, well, then I guess it won't be no surprise anyway. So, uh we're going to take a break. Here is Jackal with screwdriver.
All right, that was Screwdriver by Jackal. I've, I've said this on other, another podcast. My brother's kind of gotten me into into Jackal, and I'm I'm starting to dig them a lot. Uh, all right, Bobby Blade, are you ready to take these phone calls, my man? Yeah, I guess. Tell me who you don't want to hear from. <laughs> oh, everybody. Everybody. All right, here we go. That's our first phone call of the night. Eight five nine three five one. You are on the air. Well, first of all, Tom Wing, I want to tell you what a fine job you're doing with Off the Rails Radio. And you know, as, ah, listen, as I was you, listening, sir. as I was listening to Screwdriver, I could use a Manhattan myself. So if you could send one right over, it'll go good I'll with this nice Cuban it. cigar that I'm smoking on right now. Nice. One of the best things the United States did was lift the ban on Cuba. So now I don't have to sneak around and get my high-priced Cuban cigars on the black market. I can just get them straight through. Nice. Bobby Blade, if you ain't ain't hip yet, this is Scott Diamond on the phone. Uh, I knew it from the moment he opened his nasty mouth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nasty mouth. A guy I once called my friend, no longer. You know, you can run around living in these cardboard cutouts in your low-rent high-rises. That's not the way I roll, Bobby Blade, and I didn't think that's the way that you were. I didn't think that you were a backstabbing kind of guy. You know, you and I have had dinner many times. I've paid you. Hell, I gave you a pair of $300 Italian shoes. I thought we were friends. What is this that I hear on the last off-the-rails radio broadcast? You're cutting me down, and you're talking about that vicious backstabbing, underhanded thing that you did to me in the match against Felony Fox. Uh, Explain yourself. You have yet to answer any of my calls and tell me what the hell that was all about. Well, first of all, let me just uh, say this. Those $300 Italian shoes that you have, were they imported? Yes, they were. They were imported? Okay, they imported some holes right into the bottom of the feet. So uh, they weren't uh, they weren't $300. I think they were like Walmart brand or something like that. Weren't very good shoes. I want to ask you a question, though, Scott, while you're on the phone. How was your Christmas? Why, Christmas was not that good, Bobby Blade. Yeah, that's what I thought. Partly cause, the dude uh, considering because of you. Yeah, considering I took all of your money and everything, I'm, I'm sure nobody got any Christmas presents from Scott Diamond last year, did they? That was $700, Bobby Blade. You took my $700, and you give me the blade cutter in the center of the ring. What the hell is that all about? Well, you know, it was $700, and don't forget the credit card you had in there as well. I thought we had a deal. Yeah. Yeah, we did me. have a deal. We we did have you a cost, deal. You cost me the match. I got to beat the match. You lost. I even paused on the third count, and you still didn't kick out. First time ever being beat by a female, and I blame you, Bobby Blade. I blame, you blame you. me. But you got nobody to blame right. but yourself, there, pal. You know, four-time Hall of Famer. Congratulations, congratulations yeah. on the fact that I wasn't able to make it to PTW last Friday night while you were there, and I could have had some of the boys give you back what you gave to me. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, I'm in four Hall of Fames, right? How many are you in again? Oh, that's right, none. Oh, that's <laughs> not funny, Bobby Blade. That's not funny. I'm sorry, Scott. He kind of he got you on that one. Tom, are you choosing sides? I thought you were a professional journalist. Not, not, I am, but <laughs> I also call Spade when I, when I see a Spade. Well, I'm a long way from a Spade. And you can believe you know yourself what Scott Diamond says, Scott Diamond does. And Bobby Blade, 
We're friends no longer, pal. You know what? If I see you in an arena, if I see you in a parking lot, I, I can't even tell you what the boys might do to you. So you're saying that we were friends at one time, but we're no I didn't realize we were friends the first time. Uh, how I I cannot believe you're saying that. I put you in the seat, gave you the chairman's position of the UWF. It was my money to help put you in there. Yeah, but still, you don't have that money anymore because I spent it at Christmas. All of it. You, you took it when you were commissioner? You took it after you were commissioner? You took it at Christmas? All I've done is shell out money to you, Bobby Blade, and you're telling me we were never friends, never associates. Yeah, I, well, I appreciate your money, but I don't appreciate you. Tom Wing, so, I cannot believe that you would allow this guy to say this. You know, I am hey. the most notorious manager in professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. And you're going to say that to me, Bobby Blade? I am notorious yeah. for handing out money. I am such a kind-hearted guy that I gave you all this money, and you turned your back on me. You give me the blade cutter in the center of the ring. Well, you know, the people thing are going is, to talk about the last time they seen Georgetown wrestling, Scott Diamond got blade cuttered in the center of the ring by Bobby Blade and was left laying. Well, here's the thing. You know, the old saying is you should never trust a wolf in sheep's clothing. And that's exactly what I am. I am the lone wolf, Bobby Blade. You seem to have forgot that. Well, I know I can now never trust you. All those things that those people were saying was true. Bobby Blade loves the people. You cannot trust him. Anytime that you think that he's right there in your pocket, boom, he'll surprise you every time, and that's what happened to me. That'll mm-hmm. never happen again, though, Bobby Blade. It'll never happen again. Next wow. time my money's being spent, it's going to be spent giving Bobby Blade what for. Uh, well, well uh, and enjoy your bills. If I can interject <laughs> real quick, if just for you got to remember, Scott, that Bobby Blade has a bodyguard, and Bobby, do you love your bodyguard? I love my bodyguard. So maybe we can get it hooked up sometime. Your best guy against me, you and your best guy against me and Blade. Well, I'll tell you what, anywhere, anytime, I would put my name on a contract, and I'm sure the enforcer, Frank the Tank, would be right there with me. You, Tom Wing, one lone wolf, Bobby Blade, against Scott Diamond and the enforcer, Frank the Tank, I would make that match anytime you can get Bobby Blade to come out of retirement. Mm-hmm. I would be glad to put money <laughs> on that. Well, it's going to be a lot of money you're going to have to put on that because, uh, you know, I am retired. Yeah, I don't wrestle anymore. But Blade the thing is, though, is I, I didn't say I couldn't that. fight. I didn't say I couldn't fight anymore. And I think that's well, what you're—that's what you're doing. You're trying to go me into a fight, and if that's the case, I will definitely fight you, Scott Diamond. I and would I love to see you any place, Bobby Blade. I would. You know what? As a matter of fact, you know how much I'm loved. You know, Tom Wing yourself. You know how much I'm loved. These mm-hmm. people, they turned out on off-the-rails radio. Scott Diamond has had the largest live radio audience. I have also had the most call-ins of the Tom Wing off-the-rails show. If I could get you two, Bobby Blade and Tom Wing, this Saturday night at the Scott Diamond birthday bash, oh, that would be a great birthday for me. The lone wolf Bobby yeah. Blade. I, but here, but I Scott, here's your, here's your problem. You say Frank the Tank, but remember, I've beat Frank the Tank before, multiple times. 
uh, and you, you're talking about you wanting us to come to the, the Scott Diamond birthday bash, which, by the way, is in, uh, w, is in, is in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky this weekend. Uh, cheap plug for WCCW. Uh, you sure you really want that? Because I'm pretty sure if, if me and Blake show up, we'll leave you lying. Oh, I would give anything if I could get you to this Saturday night. Anything. I would give Bobby Blade a blank check if I could get you two in the ring. And, and again, Tom Wing, I am so surprised. Here I brought you bigger ratings than anybody, and you're going to side with Lone Wolf Bobby Blade on that underhanded deed that he done to me at the UWF show. Well, here's the thing. You keep saying uh, you you bring the big ratings, but uh, Tom, uh, last week, uh, who got the bigger ratings than Scott Diamond? As far as live lessons, it, w- it would be um... – off the Rails Radio, the best of WWF 1990 to 1999 with special guest Bobby Blade. You got beat last week. <laughs> you were just trying to piss me off, aren't you, Tom Wing? No. You're I'm just, just trying to piss me off. I'm, I'm just. You know, I call up and tell you what good job you're doing on your show. You got a card like Bobby Blade, which I don't even know why. Nobody cares what Bobby Blade has got to say. Nobody wants to hear from Bobby Blade. And now you're going to rub it in my face that last week that my ratings were beat. I cannot mm-hmm. believe you, Tom Wing. You know what? Maybe I'm going to have to call some people and get off the rails radio off the air. I don't have to take this. You know what? I'm the most winning as manager in professional mm-hmm. wrestling today. And Bobby Blade, I hate your guts. I cannot stand you. I cannot wait till the next time I see you. Tom Wing, if you can make it happen, hell, I'll make it happen. I got a blank check going to you and Bobby Blade if you show up this Saturday. And You know what? I'm married with children. I don't have to take this abuse. I can get this abuse at home. Okay. So I will so, say to so, you, Bobby Blade and Tom Wing, you right. just two, dig it. Two things before we let you go. One, if you have a blank check, you might want to write it to the Kentucky Treasurer because neither one of us has wrestling license. <laughs> two. There you are. Uh, just one way you're trying to sneak out of this. Hey, you know what? I'm somebody in the state of Kentucky. I am a Kentucky colonel, and I don't have to take this kind of abuse. Well, brother, you you get it. You you get the license taken care of, and we'll be there. But I want you. I know you're not li- not able to listen through a computer. You're you're listening through your phone tonight. This is this is me being serious now. Um, we're going to take one more call. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep you on the air because this guy really wants to talk to you too. Uh, well, there's nobody else going to call up to talk to Bobby Blade. Oh, there's somebody waiting in line right now. Um, I'm, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep your mic on, and I'm gonna keep Bobby's on. But after he's off, uh, I'm Bobby. Do you remember that song I played the last time he was on? Yes, I do. I'm gonna play it for Scott Diamond here tonight, and it's an actually all seriousness. I mean, we we're having oh, fun tonight. Oh, you got tonight. some D Martin queued up? No, well, maybe uh, you're called, not such a bad guy after all, Tom. It's it's, it's by it's by a, a group called Hardcore, as you know, Core is in Marine Corps Core. And it's called the Warrior Song, um, and this is this is me being personal. We, everybody, we we were just having fun a little bit ago, you know, because we all know that me and Bobby would kind of leave Scott and Frank Lyon, but that's just beyond the point. Um, I watch it, Tom. Um, but we're me and Bobby together. We're going to play this as a tribute for everything you've done for your service for this nation. Uh, I, I reviewed American Sniper and. Lone Survivor, the last time Bobby was on, and I played this song as a tribute to everybody, but you wasn't able to listen in, and I want to play it one more time. After we take this call, 
because I want you to hear it as well because I think you would really like it. Well, then I would stick around. I will stick around. Thank, but don't thank be you getting sir. on my nerves, Bobby Blade. Please. All right. Uh, our next call is 859-967. You are on the air. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Who is this? What's going on, Bobby? What's going on? Who is this, Andrew? (laughs) Yeah, Andrew Browning. Oh, what's going on, buddy? Andrew Browning. Tom, you said you had somebody called in of some importance. This guy gets under my skin even more than Bobby Blade does. Everywhere I go, I turn around, and here he is in his pink shirt. Don't even know how to wear a hat. He's always got it sideways. Why do I have to stick around to listen to Andrew Browning? I don't know who calls. I just see the phone numbers, man. Oh, can I talk, Mr. Diamond? Hello, Andrew. This is so painful to me. You're killing me. You're killing me. Well, I just overheard your uh, overall your uh, about this uh, match on Saturday night for WCCW, right? Oh, I would love to have it. If I can get the commissioner to sway the rights, I would love to have it. Uh. How about if I, I'm going to try maybe feed her on Saturday if I, I would love to be on Bobby and uh, Tom's side for that night, for that match. Now, see, this is why I don't like to talk to this guy, Tom. Not only does he call up and get under my skin, he keeps turning the screws. Now he wants to be the manager in your corner for if Frank and I can get you in the ring. Well, this well, is unbelievable. Are you paying kind of him, need- Blade? Well, yeah, I'm paying him. We're still not we're still not going to say it's going to happen and everything because you know me and Tom are not licensed by the state of Kentucky right now. So you know right now there's oh, no possible way we could be there. If we were to be there, we would leave you know Scott Diamond and Frank the Tank laying in the middle of the ring, you know victims of the Diamond Cutter and the uh, Black Hole Slam. Could I get some aspirin in here? I am getting a headache. These guys are giving me a headache. Hmm. Uh, so I was giving you a headache there, Mr. Diamond. <laughs> oh, Andrew Browning, isn't your grandmother calling for you or something? Don't you have something that you could do? No, I'm a grown man right now, Mr. Diamond. What do you think about that? Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, with those aspirins in here. All right. Real quick, Andrew, you told me earlier today that you wanted to ask me and Blade something. So you, uh, our predictions on something. So you can not only ask us, but you can ask Scott Diamond as well. May may I say okay. one thing, Tom, before Go Andrew ahead. goes on with his question? Go ahead. I would just like to say, Andrew, I know you're a big Dolph Ziggler fan, and all I can say is he's fired. <laughs> oh, yeah, gosh, I've been holding that in for a week. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Scott, I hate to uh, burst your bubble, but they got their jobs back last night. Thanks to Sting. Oh, my goodness. No, I know. Bring me four aspirin. I need four aspirin. <laughs> All right, uh, Andrew, go ahead, buddy. Uh, what's your Royal? Who is your Royal Rumble uh, pick winners for this Sunday? All right, Scott, you want to go first? My Royal Rumble pick for the WWE pay per view. Well, I can only say that it's not going to be Dolph Ziggler. I hope. So pretty much anybody but Dolph Ziggler. 
anybody but Dolph Ziggler, please. I don't know if I can wake up Monday morning and stand Andrew Browning sending things to my wall that Dolph Ziggler won the Royal Rumble. I think I would just roll over and stay in bed on Monday if that happens. All right, Bobby. Roman Reigns. I'm going to have to go with Roman Reigns as well. (laughs) You're outnumbered, Scott. Jeez. I I don't even know why I called up. I should have known it would have been a gang fight. Technically, Scott would kind of be on our side because he said anybody but Dolph Ziggler, so wouldn't Roman Reigns be one of the anybody? You want some chapstick for all that butt kissing you're doing there, Tom? I'm not doing any butt. I'm sitting here taking your side, you know, threatening to to whip Scott and Frank, and I'm kissing his butt. Come on now. Well, I'm going to tell Frank you said that, Tom. I'm going to tell. And now, if if I am incorrect, let me know. But didn't the enforcer Frank the Tank take the UWF title from Tom Wayne? USWF, but I also choked him out and took it back. Oh. You wait till mm. I talk to Frank tomorrow. He is not going to like this, Tom, at all. Mm. Well, he'll be calling up on next week's show. I can assure you. March is co- all I got to say for, is March is coming up really fast. Can I get somebody in here with those pills? I need these ads. <laughs> these guys are killing me. All right, Andrew. Thank you for calling in, my man. It is hard. No, you want good help, Andrew? Diamond. Go ahead. Go put on your Diamond Cartel shirt. I know you're a closet Diamond Cartel fan, so go put on your shirt and sit in a room in the dark by yourself somewhere. Well, I'm going to try to beat her Saturday night, Mr. Diamond, on your birthday base, and I'm going to wear my belt to you just for you. Oh, God, please, no, don't do it. Definitely come out to the birthday bash and watch me win $1,000 in the Battle Royal, but please do not wear that Dolph Ziggler shirt. I'll just wait to embarrass him so for you to lose. Oh, when I see you know, you at one time I, I had a uh, Diamond Cartel shirt, but I don't have it anymore, you know, because uh, I ran out of toilet paper one night, so I just, you know, figured I might as well just use that shirt because it was worthless anyway, so. And I thought that was a myth. Somebody, I heard about that, but I thought that was a myth. Now, a myth. you're going to tell me that you desecrated... I cannot wait till the next time I see you. I hope it's now, in a parking lot, Bobby Blade. Now, Bobby, you know, uh, back in at the beginning of last year, 2014, uh, when I come back to UWF, he tried to give me. He he actually handed me a Diamond Cartel shirt. Yeah, what well, what'd you do with that shirt? I turned around and handed it to some homeless lady named Felony Fox. Oh, 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 oh. Tom Wing, you're pushing it, buddy. You are pushing the envelope. Let me tell you what. Felony's probably going to kill See, me. I, what I did that. was I gave you an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I gave and you an opportunity, and you missed out on the bus. And what did I do with my opportunity? Sure, I got hurt, but uh, what did I do with that opportunity? I took out your guy, Jared Sloan, and I took his belt from him. Now, granted, you guys had to attack me backstage and knock me out for uh, an undetermined amount of time, but... That's right. Everybody out there, my knee injury was because of the Diamond Cartel. <laughs> there you go. So well, You better watch what you're saying. And, Blade, you yeah. know firsthand. You've seen what we've done in the ring. The next time I see you, I will be taking those shoes out of your hide. I well, owe you I mean, one for that blade cutter. Well, you, you won't be taking much out of my hide because those shoes weren't worth too much anyway. I mean, 
they ripped right through after just wearing them a couple times. Yeah. Well, I've Did got people me? still laughing at me today. I got Bobby, beat by a woman because of Bobby Blade. Bobby, didn't you tell no, me you like tried, tried to super glue the heel back on and it just not even super glue would stick to it? It was so cheaply made. Yeah, I mean, I tried to super glue it. I tried to stitch them and everything, and nothing would. I mean, the 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 leather would just rip right through on them, and it was just now that was good Italian made. leather, and you know it. Uh, that that might have been good Ita- Italian leather. That might have been good Italian pleather, but not leather. You're just not used to good quality clothes. That's all. Yeah, that and is. jeans and a t-shirt, the American way, right there. Mm-hmm. I don't shop at Walmart. I can tell you that. Well, I do. I support America. <laughs> They've never done nothing for me. All right, Scott. Well, Amer- uh, America's never done nothing for you, or Walmart. Neither one. Neither one ever done anything for me. You know what America done? For my senior high school trip, I got sent to Beirut. That's what America did for me. You know what Walmart does for me? Nothing, because I don't shop there. Well, I mean, you can do, right. you can shop where you want to and everything, but, you know, common people shop at Walmart. I'm a man of the common people. I shop at Walmart. I'm not ashamed to admit it. That's a right. joke. That's something <laughs> that a goof would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I heard you saying it last week. <laughs> All right, we got about six minutes left. Um, Scott, I'm going to play this for you, and afterwards I want you to tell me what you think of it. This is the Warrior song. Okay, uh, let's give it a listen. Please you with the light goes green. Best believe. 
All right, there you go. Scott Diamond, what do you think of that? Tom Wing, I'm very touched. You know, some folks may listen to that song and just hear a, a strong rock beat with some words. When I listen to that, straight shoot, as we call it in the wrestling business, you've touched an old man's heart, you've touched a nerve. And so I got to say to Bobby Blade, you know, I just said a moment ago that America never gave me nothing. What it gave me was a trip to Beirut for my senior vacation, and that's true. But also with that, and standing in the blood of my brothers, watching and saluting while they had a bayonet attached to a weapon, inverted, stuck in the ground with a helmet attached to it, they gave me some things that I will never forget, some that I can never talk about, but a spree de corps that will burn forever. And when I hear that song, it just adds fuel to that esprit de corps that will help it burn for the rest of my life. I thank you for playing that song. No that problem, has, man. That has moved me in ways I won't get into. It'll sound too sappy, but uh, that, my friend, has made my day. That was the height of my day, and thank you. Not a problem. Uh, you can find that song on YouTube. It's just called it's called the Warrior Song. It was for, done for the Warrior Project. Um, Stay on the stay on the line. Uh, I'm gonna wrap this up with Bobby real quick, and then after the show is over, I w- I want to run something by you. Yes, sir, I will. But Bobby Blade, I still owe you one, pal. So be looking over your shoulder. You'll never know where we may meet again. Oh, you're right. You owe me one, but I owe you five five knuckles right to the jaw. <laughs> Cut him off, Tom Wing. I can't stand that guy. I'm gonna. Put you on hold, um, Scott, and I'll and I'll be back with you here in a minute. Okay. All right, Bobby, did you have fun tonight, my man? Yes, I did. I always do, man. I appreciate you having me on. Not a problem. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to uh, have another podcast with Bobby. Uh, we're going to cover WWF or WWE, I'm sorry, from the year 2000 to 2010. That's either going to be next week or the week after. Um, and just stay tuned to Facebook and Twitter at TWNT725 and on Facebook at Superstar Thomas Wing, Facebook.com Superstar Thomas Wing, and keep it up. Bobby, I'll, I appreciate it, man, and I will talk to you later. All right. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, sir. You there, Scott? Yeah, Tom, I'm here. Um, I'm pretty sure you've heard yeah, the contra- the uh, controversy with the American Sniper movie. Yeah, I was just watching a little bit of that on the world news. We've made it on the world news as far as, you know, I was really kind of hoping that they would uh, not allow that wildfire to spread like that. You know, Michael Moore, how dare he? How mm-hmm. dare he, really? Yeah, no doubt. Hold on one second. I, I'm, I cannot, I, I'm, you know, I'm I'm still okay. reco- it's still recording. Let me pull you into the screening room. Okay.